There are these networks of staunchly pro-gun groups on Facebook. And one of them is run by these three brothers, the Door Brothers. But it turns out, they don't just do guns. The Door family name has been attached to other causes. Their goal is to eliminate public education and to replace it with Christian schooling. The Roots of the Door Family, on the No Compromise podcast from NPR. For NPR Music, it's all songs considered. I'm Bob Boylan, and on today's show, Kurt Vile. He talks about recording with John Prine, the Antlers' Peter Silberman on making music for Malcolm Gladwell. But I'll start with Be a Bad Doobie. It's the music of B. Christie. Her debut album is called Fake It Flowers. This song is called Worth It. So 
The Philippine-born and London-raised sound of Be a Bad Doobie, her name is a reference to a TV show I grew up on. It's called Romper Room. You could be a good doobie, meaning a good kid, or in her case, be a bad doobie. Her debut album, Fake It Flowers, comes out October 16th on Dirty Hit. Now a couple of tunes where harmonies take center stage. Last Tuesday on the Autumnal Equinox, Fleet Foxes released their fourth album. The album's called Sure, S-H-O-R-E. And the singer and songwriter Robin Pecknell says he sees Sure as a place of safety on the edge of something uncertain. This song is called Going to the Sun Road.
Fleet Foxes from their album Shore. The song I played is called Going to the Sun Road. More harmonies now with Darling Side and their new album Fish Pond Fish. The recording of this album presented some challenges for the band. I'll let Harris Pasoltiner, the cellist, the guitarist, and one of those voices of Darling Side tell you more. For me, the song Green and Evergreen is mainly dealing with feelings of inevitable and constant change in the world around us. The song's recording process actually sort of reflects that. Um, we started to record it as a demo at home in Dave's house, and he sang a live take of the song, and we really liked the emotion and energy of his first performance, and so we started to build the song around that first performance and took it into the studio and continued to fill out around it. And so we built up all the verses of this song but had no chorus written, and then uh, along came the pandemic and we headed home to quarantine and had to finish the album separate from each other in different houses with the four of us recording on separate microphones. Um, this ended up being sort of the story of a lot of the album is how can we finish these songs that started at home in a bedroom, then went into a full scale studio and then came back home into four separate houses to try to put our heads together and make it all feel connected. So we had to get pretty comfortable with change on this one.
Darling Side, the song is called Green and Evergreen. It's from their album called Fish Pond Fish. That record comes out October 9th. So I've been listening to the music of Kurt Weill for a while now as a solo artist and with the War on Drugs, and then his album with Courtney Barnett. Back in 2017, when Kurt and Courtney played their Tiny Desk concert, I also brought the two in the studio to sort of play DJ for me, picking out songs they loved. And one of the tunes Kurt played for me was a John Prine tune called How Lucky. And now a new EP is coming from Kurt Vile. It's called Speed, Sound, Lonely, KV. And he plays two songs by John Prine, and one of these is with John Prine. It's appropriately called How Lucky. I spoke to Kurt Vile about that session. Let's hear what he did with John. And then after that brief conversation with Kurt Vile. One, two, one, two, three. The day I walked down the street I used to wander Yeah, I shook my hand and made myself a bet But there was all these things that I don't think I remember Hey, how lucky can one man get? Brush my shoes and I hum from the rearview mirror. Brush the admiration in a blind spot of regret. There was all these things that I don't think I remember. Hey, how lucky I can't want. I walk down the street I used to wander Yeah, scratch my head and lit my cigarette But there was all these things that I don't think I remember Hey, 
how lucky can one man get? Today I walked down the street I used to wander Yeah, shook my hand and made myself a bed There was all these things that I don't think I remember Yeah, how lucky can one man get Yeah, how lucky can one man get I first found Prine's music in my life in my early 20s. I was in Boston for two years where I would shit, actually finger picking a lot. And anyway, I came back and somebody said uh, my songs sound like John Prine. I did. That's the first I heard his name. And wow. I got obsessed with like his, uh, I got a greatest hits record, vinyl, you know, for a couple dollars used. And I got deeper and deeper with Prine all the time. And, you know, Prine's music, his music just grows and grows like in your heart, in your soul, really a, uh, and all the different eras. And then, I don't know, when Pretty Pimpin' came out, you know, I, which was like my, I guess my only semi-hit song. I did like interviews in, in Nashville papers and I was name dropping John Prine because I was obsessed with him by that time. I said I couldn't wait to get to Nashville. And, and then I made a really good friend actually, Eileen, who works at his label. And she came and saw me play. And really through her, I'd basically be talking to John Prine you know, through her all for, for many years, for, it feels like it for a lifetime and I, to finally get to know him a little bit and his family and his band. I've, you know, we played shows together and his band is like family. They all took me in. And what time period are we talking when you started playing with him? I started playing with Prine, Pretty Pimpin' and that album, Believe Him Going Down, came out in 2015. And then I feel like 2016, I went back to Nashville again to record at the butcher shop, which is a f studio that Prine, he recorded the album fair and square there. And, yeah. and he has like a place where he works at and a, the engineer who, who did this record, Dave Ferguson, they call him Ferg. They're really tight. And Ferg played him the title track of this record, speed of the sound of loneliness, which is a prime song. And he liked that. And I heard he liked it. And I don't know. I feel like it was a year or so later that I finally would, I sat in with him. The first time I sat in with him was at Harley strictly bluegrass festival in San Francisco. And that was directly getting off my set with Courtney. So I got off the set with Courtney. I jumped on a golf cart with like three bottles of beer <laughs> and like I got raced over there. I wasn't sure it would happen, but sure enough, I uh, spun onto the stage and we did speed of the sound of loneliness together. And I would go and record in Nashville. And I saw John's 70th birthday show at the Ryman two night stand. And so I was sort of making this EP and I would working around going to see Prine more, more often than not. Cause uh, the session where we got how lucky it was, uh, we were going to see Prine again this past new year's Eve at the grand Ole Opry. And then somewhere along the way I got invited to sit in. So I knew I was going to wrap up that EP and I, I had him, we had him come over and it, it really was like, we literally called him that day to see if he'd come in and he did. Well, Ferg called him and he's such a sweetheart and uh, his whole family, you know, 
let's take this song in particular, How Lucky. I heard it back in the day. I worked in record stores back when this record came out. And I always thought it was a song about just being lucky. And, <laughs> and when uh, I've listened to it in my uh, later years, I have a whole different spin on what this song is about. What's your take on it? You know, some of his songs can be pretty direct. Uh, and this is, there's direct parts of it, of course, but I like how it's a, a little open too. But basically, I think the main sentiment, it's like, it's nostalgic. He goes, you know, to his old neighborhood, he walks down the street and he realizes there's a whole lot he doesn't really remember, you know, but it's kind of, it's bittersweet. I, it sounds like the fall. I, ever since I was young, I'd be walking around and when autumn comes around, you have that like nostalgic, sad feeling in the pit of your stomach. And I, I don't know. It reminds me of that walking through where I grew up. Honestly, I, I think it's the lyrics are so beautiful that I very rarely take it, them in from beginning to end of the song. I'm pretty ADD, but it, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter. What's your take? My later years, I thought that it was kind of lucky to not remember because it wasn't all so pretty. Oh, that's true too. Yeah. And that's the world uh, we've always lived in, right? You can certainly all kinds of things you you wouldn't want to remember that are going on right this second, you know, like a million things. I think sure he'll, he'll get, that's not even negative what you said, but I, I feel like there's some, something special about him where you never would get too negative. And I would also say he re- he remembers a lot more than he's letting on. I say that too, <laughs> you know. Listen, be well. Well, thank you so much. I hope hope to see you in person soon, but thanks for having me. Kurt Vile performing with John Prine, the song How Lucky. It's from an EP that Kurt Vile is putting out on October 2nd on Matador Records called Speed, Sound, Lonely, KV. We'll take a break. I'm Bob Boylan, and you're listening to All Songs Considered from NPR Music. Support for NPR and the following message come from our sponsor, Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Founder Ken Grossman shares why he thinks of his company as a family, and not just because his daughter and son help run the brewery. We've been focused from our beginning on trying to do the right thing. Our focus is to treat people fairly, to produce great products, to try to build a a company and a culture that's sustaining. But it's also a community, a family. To learn more, go to SierraNevada.com. Please drink responsibly. It's All Songs Considered. I'm Bob Boylan. Earlier this year, I played a bold, brash cut from Shamir called On My Own. It's a song from a self-titled album, which comes out on Friday, October 2nd. I've just listened to a new song on this record called Other Side, and it truly is another side. It's got a bit of country sound to it. So I asked Shamir to tell me about this new song, Other Side. Basically, my entire life, I kind of like been kind of like exiled for my love for country music, I guess, as like a black or like a young black queer person. You know, I I always felt like I've had at least one country song for every single one of my albums that I've done. So I thought that it was like, this is the perfect time in any to like finally have a country single. And I just thought the the subject topic paired well with that sound because it's a very Americana topic, you know, about a fallen soldier, you know, which is in a lot of ways, really reminiscent to like, you know, the Dixie Chicks, which is also a huge inspiration for me. But obviously, like the two stories are like very different than like that of the Dixie Chicks in this specific unsolved mystery story. But I just think sonically, kind of like more of a country and Americana vibe definitely 
helped kind of like pair well with the story so that it's a little bit more potent. music of Shamir. Uh, the song's called The Other Side. That record itself titled and it comes out Friday, October 2nd. Going to take you now to the music of Told Slant. Told Slant is a music of Felix Walworth. I first heard Felix as a drummer for Bellows, also Gabby's World, also Florist. Told Slant's new album is called Point the Flashlight and Walk. I'm going to play a song I've really loved almost every song I've heard from this record so far, but I'm going to play this song called Family Still. 
Crystal Lyrics had me wondering. In fact, I contacted Felix, and they told me about the song, and uh, here's what they said. Hi, Bob. Family Still is a song about the dark side of unconditional love. It's what happens when we rely on our families, you know, chosen or biological or, you know, our communities, really any kind of family, to provide some kind of care or support to us. And the avenues for that care and support get shuttered in some way or become murky or fraught. Um, And you still have this sort of family or community connection and devotion to each other yet without the tools to really provide that care. One of the central conflicts on the album that Family Still is from is about trying to make this choice between the safety and community and care that comes along with having this kind of family, this kind of unconditional love, and also the possibility of leaving that and seeking something more fulfilling, but seeking it in this sort of unknown space where you don't know if you'll really be held once you get there. One, two, three, four. Thank you. 
Holt Slant, their first album in four years is called Point the Flashlight and Walk, an album recorded in the solitude of a Brooklyn bedroom. It's out November 13th on Double Double Whammy. Sometime back around 2006 in another Brooklyn space, The Antlers were born. It's the project of Peter Silberman. I recently received an ambient record from Peter. He's now living upstate New York. The new project is called Spatial Relations, and the album called Talking to Strangers was birthed as the audiobook soundtrack to writer Malcolm Gladwell's book called Talking to Strangers. The music is a perfect late-night listen. I wanted to get a sense of how Peter Silberman and his music partner Nick Principe crafted these atmospheric songs. So joining me is Peter Silberman, and I started by asking about this collaboration. Yeah, so Nick and I have been making music together since we were about 11. No, really? Yeah, we go all the way back. We had a band together from, from the age of about 11 to 
17 or 18. Called? <laughs> oh, I'm not divulging that. We had a lot of bad names over the years, but the people we went to high school with, I'm sure we'll remember the names. And thankfully, neither of us were singing on these albums, so we, uh, we at least avoid that, uh, okay. that embarrassment. Uh, after high school, we embarked on our own musical projects, um, remained good friends, but yeah, went on our own paths for a while. And mine eventually became The Antlers, and uh, his eventually became Port St. Willow. But throughout the years, we continued making music together, usually instrumental music, pretty much all improvised, sometimes recorded, sometimes not, but just hours and hours of kind of ambient explorations and um, instrumental experimentations. Um, it dawned on us a few years ago that that scoring might be a good container for all of it, a good way to formalize our collaboration without us necessarily just deciding to sit down and make an album together. So in this case, did you get Malcolm's readings from this book, Talking to Strangers, and then reacted to it? Tell me about the process. We did receive kind of a rough cut of his narration at some point during the process, but not at the very beginning. We were given an early manuscript of the book, which I read and familiarized myself with what the book was about. Which um, is in short form synopsis. I would describe it as like a sociological, psychological perspective on what exactly happens between strangers in those initial interactions and how we understand one another without knowing each other and giving you know giving examples through history and dissecting different examples a lot of which are are pretty well known to people like um the Sandra Bland case and so that that's examining what happened between her and her arresting officers um, and, and, you know, a lot of it goes into how, let's say, judges and juries evaluate people that they don't know mm -hmm. and how police officers evaluate people that they don't know. Basically, the rate of failure that happens between people trying to make snap assessments, important snap assessments, based on very little information. And so you two sat in a room together or you do this long distance? How do you do this? And, and then what... Uh, get just a little geeky about the kind of gear you use and how you interact. Yeah, Nick and I worked together in a, a home studio. Our process was basically recording every idea that we can come up with based on different moods, prompts for moods that we've been given by the producer or what we gleaned from the book as being necessary. So, you know, at first we were coming up with a lot of kind of dreamy soundscapes and then I read the book and I said, there's a lot of really heavy material in here. I don't think these heavenly sounds are going to be the right backdrop for the stories that he's telling. So we would just create like a wealth of material, send it along to the producer, and he would give us feedback on it and say, okay, like some of this is very usable. I could use more things that are a darker, heavier mood, something maybe that's more um, scientific sounding for for the more explanatory passages where he's breaking down psychological phenomenon or or talking about a research study. I'm going to play a song, Default to Truth. Do you remember making it and what the direction you had was? I don't remember if we got specific direction for for this track, but I do remember that it began with that chiming sound that you hear at the beginning, which is actually a uh, a sampled kalimba. Um, I was using one of those pocket operators, the Teenage Engineering handheld samplers, um, and I sampled a kalimba that I have somewhere around here in and the for studio. For those who don't know what a kalimba is, it's a little African thumb piano. You, you maybe you've seen them before with with prongs of metal that you pluck with your fingers. But yeah, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that's right. I sam- sampled that sound and we dropped it into the session and quantized it and built this pattern around it, which probably from the sample, we also, uh, Nick is, is the drummer and percussionist in this collaboration. We, we both cover a lot of ground, but that's firmly his territory. And uh, so he came up with the pattern on top of it, and I was probably playing bass along with him. And then we fleshed out the rest of it with synths and, and looping pedals and other keyboards. Right. Well, it's a fabulous record to listen to. Late at night seems to be more my go-to than middle of the day, but um, to each his own. We'll all find places for it. I, I, I love what, what you've done here. No, thanks. You got anything else cooking? Uh, yeah, so I've, I've actually been working on some new Antlers music over the last few years, and it's been a long road to get here. But we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be putting some of that out in the near future. Awesome. Well, you will uh, drop me a note when that's gonna happen. Absolutely. Thanks, Peter. Yeah. Thanks, Bob. So let's go out on this cut. It's called "Default to Truth." The project is called Spatial Relations. The album is called Talking to Strangers. I'm Bob Boylan for NPR Music. Take care, everybody. It's all songs considered.